What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Vast Podcast. I am here with my co-host, David Campbell. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining in for another episode. Today, we are talking about uh, a video that none other than Jordan Peterson released recently called A Message to the Christian Churches. Um, and Dave and I have obviously both watched it. Uh, it's only a 10-minute video. We'll drop the link to it in our show notes. Uh, and uh, it's good. Good to watch. I think um, he makes some interesting points that I want to uh, discuss today. Uh, but before we get to the video itself, as I was mentally preparing for this episode, I realized that um, having a discussion around Jordan Peterson is something that uh, I've been wanting to do um, uh, kind of internally for uh, a while because he has had such a, you know, well, I guess we could just call it a considerable impact on um on Christians, and he seems to favor the value of Christianity and the church. Uh, and certainly, I personally know of uh, a lot of uh, men in particular who credit him for uh, reigniting their own passion for Christianity and for being involved in a church. In fact, even have people who are related to me by blood that would say uh, Jordan Peterson played a role there had a pastoral conversation with a guy earlier this year who had, you know, pretty well written off Christianity and then had come across Jordan Peterson's biblical lecture series. Um, and that had a huge impact on him. And so I can see Jordan Peterson's positive uh, impact um, for the sake of the church. Um, but along with that also have some questions and even um, I guess I'd call them concerns, but they're not things that keep me up at night. Um so uh, I guess in, in saying that, um, David, you're Canadian. Jordan is Canadian. Um, and I don't know if you've like watched his journey up close over the last several years um, in terms of how he came into notoriety. But uh, what are your thoughts off kind of just like the top line about him and his, his influence upon Christianity right now? Well, first of all, I think he's a very courageous man. And I say that uh, because of the stand that he took. And this is going back uh, a few years now mm -hmm. um, at my alma mater, the University of Toronto, uh, where he was uh, hounded for not for refusing to um, pander to the, you know, multiple gender sort of crowd. Mm -hmm. in the way that he addresses students and so on. And, uh, uh, you know, he was just vilified for that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, you know, he took a stand of principle. Uh, and as a clinical psychologist, uh, I think he had some grounds for taking, you know, it, he, he wasn't just some kind of redneck that was right. wanting to poke his finger in somebody's eye. He had good reason for taking the stand that he did. Um, and uh, in the end, uh, it kind of, the controversy, I think, launched him into, you know, the, the uh, sort of notoriety or, or fame that he's achieved, um, where he probably became better known than the institution that had, you know, uh, treated him so badly, and right. uh, when when he did go back, um, I can't remember the 
the pro- progress of events, but he did go back to teaching and people could not get in to his classes. I mean, they were lined right. up out Packed. down the street. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he had a vote of confidence from the people, if not from the, you know, higher ups in the institution. Anyway, um, so I think he's very courageous. I think he's taken a stand in principle. I think he's got good reason to do it. Um, he had a very famous, uh, there was a very famous interview between him and a British journalist mm-hmm. uh, five or so years ago. And uh, she was crude in the sense that she lobbed all the dirt she could at him. It was very unfair. Mm-hmm. He uh, maintained his cool in the most extraordinary way. And he just waited until her argument, you know, self-contradicted. And exactly. it was that moment where he said, gotcha, in a very gentle way. And she just looked like a deer caught in the headlights. Mm-hmm. And millions and millions of people watched that video uh, and propelled him to, uh, you know, gave him a, a, a platform, really. So all of that being said, uh, the way that he handled that was extraordinary. And I think it was a put down of postmodernism. Um, and so uh, he's an ally in that sense to us as Christians. Mm-hmm. Now, when it, when it gets to the next part, which is, you know, he's talking to the church. Um, and I know it's kind of generic, the church or whatever. Uh, the other question I've had it, it, with regard to Jordan Peterson is, is, and this is not a negative about Jordan Peterson at all, it's like, where are the prophets within the church? Mm-hmm. Why is it that God has to raise up a, a, a kind of a secular prophet, you want to mm-hmm. call him that, to speak to us? Are we not hearing the voice of God? Can we not hear the voice of God within mm-hmm. the church? Because I think there are, so, I, I think there are ways in which uh, well, let's put it this way. There's lots and lots of Christians and lots and lots of churches and lots and lots of leaders that got a wake-up call from this this pr- prophetic voice from outside of the church. And mm. that shouldn't have been the case, but, but it was. And mm-hmm. I guess we should be grateful for it. Mm-hmm. But it, lastly, also, and then we will probably rehash a lot of these points, but it means that, you know, you have to treat with, with uh, care uh, things that he's saying. Uh, I mean, we would treat with care and caution uh, even Christian leaders who are making pronouncements on broad social political matters. So we certainly have to treat with care what he's saying. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily the voice of God. He's not even a born again believer at this point, mm-hmm. as far as we know. So you know, we just have to leaven our. You know, we don't we don't want to fall into a jordan peterson idolatry at all (laughs) yeah i couldn't agree with you more um and we will rehash some of those points if we just back up just for a moment one of the thoughts that's been in the back of my mind around about jordan is um one of the reasons he got so big was because of that stand that he took um and then he was packing out theaters with these biblical lecture series that he were doing which was uh, he would say was taking a psychological um, or maybe more broadly speaking, a sociological approach to uh, many of the famous Old Testament stories um, and how those link even to um, some of the statements in the New Testament, uh, you know, like Jesus quoting um, the occasion when Moses lists up the, 
the snake statue and that provides healing for the Israelites who are bitten by the snakes. And he applies those um, in a very sociological way, uh, not necessarily first and foremost through a theological lens. Um, this, I guess, has been part of my concern. Uh, I love listening to it. And man, when he gets passionate talking about these these uh, subjects, it's compelling. Like it really is. I can see why people love to listen to him. Um, part of the question in my head is, uh, and maybe this kind of goes to your point of, hey, it's not necessarily the best case scenario that that a voice has stood up from outside the church that young men are attracted to. That should be happening actually within the church um, with the same kinds of qualities of boldness um, uh, and and truthfulness, but grounded in uh, uh, maybe a, a more overtly Christian approach to the Bible, which is obviously we believe is important. Um, but I've been kind of, you know, quietly wondering if there would be some negative impact um, of, uh, of the, of the, the role that he's playing in, in young men's thinking as he, uh, you know, expounds upon these biblical stories in ways that are a more of a psychological approach than they are a theological approach. Um, I was listening to a, a clip the other day of a, a guy named Paul Vanderclay, and he was talking about Jordan as well. Um, and, and he mentioned how, uh, I guess some of his online ministry is, similar to, uh, takes up a similar tone or maybe a similar purpose um, as what uh, Jordan Peterson can be conceived of doing. And people are surprised when they come into his church that it's not the same as what they, you know, hear through the online voice. And so uh, do you have any thoughts around that? I, I'm live. I'm not, I'm trying to focus on what is the point that you're asking? To do you think, do you think that there's reason to be concerned about his influence upon um, men in regards to how they think about and approach the Bible, because the way that he approaches well, the Bible. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think that, uh, I mean, it changed, changed the names. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, if we had, uh, some television personality or some political personality, uh, who was, um, you know, uh, uh, speaking, to large groups of Christians, whether it's in person or online or whatever. And they weren't really, you know, coming from a full deck, playing with a full deck of cards as far as the <laughs> gospel is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would be concerned. And as a matter of fact, this has been very much an issue in, in the United States the last several years where there's been a blurring of politics and church, politics and Christianity, and a genuine level of concern as to um you know what is political commentary and and are christians listening more to political personalities than they are to their own pastors mm-hmm. and uh and it's easy to blur the lines and, and the more people get worked up about something and the more they're untaught and the more you veer off into uh political economic sociological ideas the less grounded uh, often people get and the less ability they have to connect biblical ideas to that, and they're mm-hmm. sitting duck for ideas that actually look good, but they aren't necessarily biblical. So, mm-hmm. it, do you understand what I'm saying? Or am I, I, yeah, is, absolutely. Is somewhat coherent? I, yes, definitely. I think uh, a same but different example is um, political commentators being 
misconstrued as bringing um, pure biblical truth when in fact they're coming at it from a totally different angle. And Jordan Peterson is doing the same. He's coming at it from his own profession as a psychologist um, and expounding upon the Bible through that lens. Yes. And and in my, I think he's, he's influenced by, you know, he went to Sunday school in a liberal Protestant uh, denomination uh, you know, whatever exposure he's had to Christianity is in that context. And I went to Sunday school in a liberal Protestant denomination, and mm. we were taught stories. Uh, and it isn't that the stories were wrong. It's just that often they were moralistic in the sense that, you know, uh, Jesus appears more as a, a teacher of, you know, good moral values. Mm. Uh, and, um, and that's the danger, I think, uh, that we could fall into, that he's taking the biblical figures mm-hmm. and the biblical stories mm-hmm. and kind of analyzing them in a way that maybe he was taught in mm-hmm. a liberal Protestant Sunday school, mm-hmm. you know, which, which um, you know, there's some, some truths that you take out of it, but it's not the whole truth. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I just think that... Um, where are the prophets? Uh, if we need to be addressed, I mean, the subject of masculinity and obviously the whole realm of gender roles has been brought to the forefront through um, both modernism in terms of uh, changing moral values, you know, 50 years, 40 years ago, the Woodstock generation, all the rest of it, and now postmodernism, which has made it weird. Uh, to be honest, and uh, and but we're caught caught in this uh, dilemma, and somebody has to speak to it. Mm-hmm. There, there needs to be figures within the body of Christ, respected figures, who are approaching it from a thoroughly biblical perspective, mm-hmm. and talking to us on these topics. Mm-hmm. And so, I think Jordan Peterson is, you know. Uh, there, I mean, he will tell you, and I, I, I've no doubt that he's telling the truth, the thousands and thousands of letters that he's received or emails that he's received from men saying, you've saved my life, some mm-hmm. of whom from suicide, mm-hmm. uh, others just have, has, has transformed their, their lives, uh, without any Christian perspective, it's just psychological healing and wholeness. And he's mm-hmm. addressing things that, you know, and I think, well, that's great. But that doesn't get them eternally saved, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily give them a perspective of the gospel. Can we not do better than we mm-hmm. have been doing? Mm-hmm. And um, and we have to be aware in our society. And you know, we're we're all treading in eggshells on on this topic. But we have to be aware in our society that um, masculinity is devalued. There's no question about that. Cool. There is a militant. Uh, we can't even call it feminist anymore because the feminists have been, you know, thrown Left out behind by mm-hmm. the uh, transgender people. But there's a very militant. But what it what the whole thing is is very anti-masculine, mm-hmm. uh, and masculinity is devalued and trashed and attacked and undermined, and that is catastrophic for the health of a society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not advocate. I mean, we as Christians have this great uh, answer in uh, true true masculinity and true leadership is available 
but it's available in a redemptive and healing and a uh, holistic manner through men who are prepared to lay their lives down for their mm -hmm. wives and their children and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the message we've got that strikes the right balance. That's It's in Jesus Christ, the greatest man that ever lived. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, that's not hyper-masculinity, not at all. I mean, it's servant leadership, and that's what men are called to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's the message that we've got to to stand on, and I honestly don't think that that Professor Peterson, uh, for, for all of his learning and understanding and wisdom, uh, I think it's something that you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to grasp the depth mm -hmm. and dimension of mm -hmm. of that. So you're not just talking about, hey, men, get your act together and start leading. That's that's a superficial way that mm -hmm. lends itself to abuse. You know, we want to say, hey, man, uh, you're called to lead, but you're called to lead by walking in the way of the cross. That's mm -hmm. different. Yeah, but it's well, it's, only that's a good that. point. And this is something, a theme that I notice a lot of times with people who are critiquing uh, postmodernism and, and woke culture, but from outside of a Christian worldview, is they do a really good job uh, diagnosing the problem where they fall short is in what they're able to offer up as a solution. Um, and I think that's where Christianity really shines is that it has something to say to postmodernism because we actually, uh, we actually have the transcendent, uh, aspect to ground our answers in, um, postmodernism as I understand it is a reaction to modernism. And so modernism can't say back to postmodernism, no, we just need more modernism because that's, uh, that's what pissed postmodernists off in the first place. Um, and I think Christianity has something to, to offer that's um, so much more helpful. Obviously, everything that you're saying about uh, masculinity is right in line with uh, what, uh, what Jordan Peterson is talking about in this video. If you haven't watched it, essentially, um, he's – uh, describing, uh, he lists out three kind of core accusations right now of the postmodernists. Um, those being essentially the way the West does things is oppressive. Uh, the second one being that human activity is essentially a cancer on the planet, bad for the environment. And then the third accusation being that essentially male ambition is the problem behind those first two accusations. And the result of this is that men are uh, they're cowering, they're crumbling. Um, and that would connect to many of the emails and, and letters that he gets from men who are saying, you saved my life because he's giving them permission to be men again and to, uh, stop apologizing for all of their, their male impulse. Um, and this kind of connects, he makes a, a, a reference to the way that he thinks of the Bible in connection to this, where he starts talking about men need a woman to find a garden to walk through an ark to build a ladder to heaven to build. And that's indicative right there of the way Jordan views the Bible. This is a, a psychological and sociological um, takeaway. And perhaps it is true that men need a woman to find a garden to walk through an ark to build and a ladder to build and so on and so forth. Maybe there is some truth to that. And it certainly does connect to uh I would say not just the male impulse, but the human impulse to build, the human impulse to reach, the human impulse to achieve, um, which is uh, not all bad and certainly should not be construed as purely a cancer on the planet and um, and uh, as evil well, yeah. domination. And you made a good point there, Jake, that um, 
uh, what, he kind of confuses the issue uh, by uh, addressing these other things, all of which are massive, you know, the, the sort of climate change part of it and mm-hmm. the uh, post-colonial, you know, Western oppression and whatnot, and then throws the, the male issue, uh, masculinity issue in. Um, it would have been more helpful if he had left those things out and simply mm-hmm. addressed uh, the issue of masculinity. Um, and the reason being that people, and I, somebody, and I, I just put the, I put the, um, the video up on my Facebook account, not with an endorsement, but just food for thought. And I got quite a, you know, a, a diatribe back from one or two people uh, only one or two, but one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it was, you know, on, on the climate change thing and so on. So you're treading, he's treading on toes all over the place, mm-hmm. which then kind of takes away from, you know, there's so much, uh, dust now flying in the air, <laughs> uh, people that, that, you know, the people that are concerned about climate change and so on, the world's coming to an end and the people that think, but now that all gets thrown into the mix before he even gets to the point. Well, if he just left that out and addressed the masculinity issue, it probably would have he would have done himself a service. Yes, they're all part of whatever you want to call it, postmodern, extreme left wing, or whatever agenda tends to focus on those things, on all those things, but um, it would be Why? better I kind of see it differently only because to me, the setup is what frames um, the main point that he's making. Because I think when you, when, you, when you only hit the issue of masculinity, then what's in the back of everybody's minds is, yeah, but my culture doesn't give me permission to be masculine because it sees the male impulse as uh, oppressive because it sees human activity and ambition as a cancer on the planet. Um, I, I think he probably, the, the thing with, with Jordan right now is that he's, he's linked up with Ben Shapiro. And so his videos are getting quite, uh, like just getting pretty punchy and it's lacking a lot of the humility that his original stuff had. Um, and I think it's therefore much harder for someone who disagrees to him to listen to him. That, therefore, to your point, he's kicking up a lot of dust and he's taking away from his yeah. own effectiveness in that way. No, so I, I would just, I would just say he could maybe talk about the same things, but do so in uh, bit, in a different he format. Pre- he was a bit preachy, raised his voice a bit. He was a right. lot more effective in in his gotcha moment, and um, mm. of course, he's been through a personal cataclysm. Uh, you know, I think the stress or whatever. You know, he wound up on um, sedatives or painkillers. I can't remember what it was. And, and you know, his health was very bad. So he's been mm-hmm. affected by all that. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that may have, you know, put a bit of an extra sharpness to his tone. Mm. It doesn't win people over. Uh, but, you know, it raises the question to me um, in – why are we having this discussion? We're having this discussion because there are a lot of people in in the Christian church who are listening to somebody who isn't even a professing Christian, even though he's kind of close, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, I and think so uh, that, I heard one theologian call him uh, close to the kingdom. 
You're not far from the kingdom. Not far from the kingdom. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Um, but, you know, it can just be moralism. That's the problem. It mm-hmm. can, can just be moral lessons. and Exactly. Uh, so be that all that as it may. Um, Which at the end of the day, I want to make clear, uh, that is all he ultimately has. Th- those are the only points that he can really draw out of the scripture is moralism because he hasn't he hasn't gotten to that point yet of point yet of believing the gospel and by the gospel i mean in the sense of like first corinthians 15 the the right. actual death and the actual resurrection of jesus yeah. he's he's not there and so he you're right in saying that all he can really pull out are um are moralistic principles yeah i he's struggling with it but i mean he's lived his whole life under this sort of liberal worldview uh and, and I suppose somewhat anti-supernaturalist and, and a, a, you know, view, view mm-hmm. of the Bible is basically mythological. It may be using right. myth, mythological means to present. Yes. Quote, Transcendent unquote. truths. Yes. And that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's liberal Protestantism right there. Uh, and, you know, uh, it only goes so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, but you know, is that, what, what, could, what do we, we, how do we respond? How do we respond to the issues that are being raised? That's, mm-hmm. that's the point I think for us as Christians. Maybe it would be helpful just to, to kind of take an aside really quick. And just when we're reading the stories in Genesis or Exodus, what is Moses's goal with these stories? Is it partially his hope that his audience will pull out? some moralistic truths to apply to humanity, broadly speaking, how should we approach these stories in the Bible? Well, uh, those of us who have a high view of biblical inspiration believe that, that God sovereignly preserved these accounts. Um, the, whole of the Old Testament is built around the Sinai Covenant. And the, the concept of the Sinai Covenant is not that men were writing stories at all. It's that God wrote the covenant himself and delivered it to us through Moses. Um, and Genesis is just a preparation. It's the prehistory for the covenant. It, it gives you the background of how God, I mean, first of all, creation and of the fall and then of how God, out of an idolatrous world, picked this one man who himself was an idolater mm-hmm. and uh, revealed himself to, to him, promised him that his descendants would be as the sand of the, the seashore. Mm-hmm. And then that story progresses. Uh, it, it's all preparation for the giving of the covenant, you know, because the whole story focuses down upon Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we wind up with Moses. That that's the focus. That's the goal. Is the giving of the covenant, uh, and because the new covenant is only the renewal of the old covenant. The conditions. It's the same God uh, is making covenant with His people, and the same moral law hasn't changed at all. Jesus taught no new mor- morality whatsoever, other than what God had revealed at Sinai. But the means of membership in the covenant mm-hmm. is now no longer through circumcision or mm-hmm. being born into a racial group. 
it's by accepting the blood of Christ and mm -hmm. Christ is your savior. So uh, that's so, that's the whole Bible in a nutshell. Would it be and, fair to say then that uh, Jordan Peterson is reading those Old Testament stories to understand humanity, whereas we would go to the Bible first and foremost to understand what has been shown to us about God and how precisely. God is interacting with humanity. Exactly that. Mm -hmm. And you have to start with God and not with people. And because if you, you can look at the various stories, you can get whatever you want out of them, but that's not the point. Right. The point is that they're just a lead in to the self revelation of God mm -hmm. to, to his people. So it Yahweh. may be that the male impulse or the human impulse is to build an ark that, you know, carries you through, uh, you know, the self-destructive tendencies of man, but that's not Moses's point in telling the story. No, not at all. Yeah. I think it's worth pointing out because again, he has a huge influence. So, yeah. Um, okay. Let's, let's uh, get to some of his suggested solutions and then kind of um, talk about uh what would an actual Christian prophet say and what would he be pointing us towards? Um, so essentially he's saying the problem is that masculinity is, uh, is being criminalized um, or demonized. And so the church, it needs to step up and the church needs to uh, market to men, do everything they can to attract men and then demand a lot of men to help them live up to their potential um, and also invite men into helping the church become less outdated. And, uh, he has, a seems to have a special bone to pick with Protestants in the video, whom he says are currently the worst. I don't know what he means by that. Um, but he said it. He's referring to pro the Protestantism he knows. Ah, which the liberal Protestantism. That's what he's referring to. Got you. Okay. Uh, churches should quit fighting for social justice and start attending to souls, um, and of course, by social justice, he does not mean, I don't believe, um, churches should stop doing physical good, but should like abandon wokeness, um, which I couldn't agree with more and start attending to souls. Um, what he means entirely by that, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, certainly the church uh, ministers to more than somebody's uh, immaterial self. We minister to the whole person. Um and essentially he's placing in a, I get this is kind of like the, the main thing he's placing an immense value on the church as it regards like the preservation of uh, a flourishing society. That part I love. Like, I love that he views the church as so important. Yeah. Well, I uh, think that's part of the, po that's the positive part of his journey because I doubt he felt that way 20 years ago. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And I think part of it is that he's looking around in society, in secular society, he's looking around where, where are the places that are not caving in to all this catastrophe. Uh, and he's looking at the church as being, uh, but to be fair, I, and I'm, I believe that he's addressed an appeal to Muslims as well. Okay. Uh, and uh, which I haven't seen. So I, this is just hearsay, but I, I believe he has. And it, no doubt he's speaking some of the same things to them. Mm. Uh, but, 
anyway, I'm, that's an assumption on my part. So that, that could be a distraction to this conversation. But he's, the point is he's looking around for where is it in society that there are people that are going to stand up to th these destructive tendencies. I actually have a more, um, a, a somewhat more optimistic view in one sense in that uh, what I observe, and, and it's, not, it's not just me, it's, it's people that are tuned in mm -hmm. uh, to these things, um, is a, a, a kind of a self-destructive civil war uh, within the kingdom of darkness, uh, and all these people are fighting with each other. And I wish I could. I wish I could. I probably referenced this before, and I haven't found the, found the article again. But it was, I believe, it was in the Washington Post. If it wasn't, it was in the Economist, um, which are both classical liberal, mm -hmm. you know, sort of um, media uh, entities. Uh, so there's this uh, journalist was not at all writing. It was very insightful, but not writing from a Christian pers perspective at all. Mm -hmm. But the account was, and and he or she went through uh, a whole list of liberal, progressive, uh, political and social um, organizations and movements and so on, and said none of them are really moving ahead because they're in, in, immersed in, in, in internal warfare. And most of the internal warfare was over this uh, critical theory stuff mm -hmm. because critical theory sets one person against another. That's mm -hmm. part of the whole structure of it. It is it it self destructs mm -hmm. and see Satan's kingdom always self destructs because it's not built on love. It's built on fear and hate, and that doesn't hold together. No, Interesting. it's why dictatorships fall apart in the end. Uh, and so. The encouragement or, or, or consolation I have is, in spite of all the disaster going on around us, that this whole thing will set one group against another because mm -hmm. every little subgroup uh, in the postmodern camp is promoting, because this is what human nature does, it's promoting their own ends. So uh, I think there's lots of grounds for being concerned with the disasters around us, but the Christian church is not called to rebuild society uh you know the christian church is called to advance the kingdom of god and it may be in the midst of a crumbling society mm -hmm. and it's not our job to save the society uh this is if the society around us is self-destructing our job is to uh advance the kingdom of god and build an alternative society so to speak that is a shelter for mm -hmm. the refugees to come to yeah, I, I agree with you. And I definitely find myself spending a lot of time thinking about that dynamic. I, I think right now, at least pastoring in a place like Los Angeles, um, which obviously tends to be very progressive. Uh, there's the, I have two desires. I have one desire to help Christians be Christian and sp spend a lot of time and energy um, writing messages to help them be steadfast in their faith at the same time, I have a desire to reach people who are not yet Christian. Um, and so I also spend time thinking through uh, trying to win those people. Um, and I would say right now, in this current moment, it feels like uh, that second portion is a longer game because people are trying out all these ideologies on for size. Um, and 
becoming a Christian by and large means abandoning a lot of that, those ways of thinking and certainly ways of living and our, our thinking and our living are inseparably connected. And, and so um, it seems to me like the, the, the play for winning souls is a longer game right now. And there is kind of this focus on how do we build really healthy, flourishing churches that are still going to see new people come in and still see people get connected to Christ. Um, but it, it might just be uh, a different looking season for a while. Well, yeah, I think Winston Churchill has always said it better than most people ever, ever said it. And he, he addressed uh, the British people in the, uh, after the battle of Britain, which was a, a victory, a extraordinary victory. Um, and he said, this is not the end. This is not even the beginning of the end. This mm -hmm. is the end of the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, he was he was very realistic. Um, and I think we have to be very realistic. This is at best the end of the beginning. You know, if we have some victories, if we see uh, God moving in his body uh, to, um, you know, if, if some of these crises bring people back to Christ and cause us to build our churches and stronger foundations, those are victories. But, you know, we got to be in this for the long haul. Mm -hmm. um, th this, th the battle is not going to be won in the next, in the midterm elections, to use an American analogy, mm -hmm. you know, or in the next presidential election. Uh, there may be battles or by the, the controversy over Roe Ro v. Wade. I mean, these are all long, long haul. And people in the pro-life mo movement, anyone that's been in it, it's taken... I mean, they started working against Roe v. Wade 50 years ago. It's taken mm -hmm. 50 years, mm -hmm. you know, and who knows what direction it's going to take now. Mm -hmm. um, the battle will never be open over, uh, but uh, we have to be a people who are just here and are faithful, and we build our alternate society, and we are salt and light in the midst of a stinking, rotten world, mm -hmm. and uh, our confidence is just in christ and we don't come to the world in a triumphalistic way which is also you know what we don't want to you know we don't want to present masculinity uh or christianity in general as a as a you know an army that's rising up against all these wicked people around us and we're just going to smash them and everything they believe in and take over like that is fighting fire with fire. I mean, mm -hmm. that's not what Jesus called us to at all. Mm -hmm. You know, we serve by laying our lives down and we just trust that in that process that, I mean, that's how the Christians won the Roman empire or mm -hmm. to the extent that they did. Um, they, they laid their lives down in example and, and service and martyrdom and through the plagues that swept through the Roman empire, they were the ones that were there to look after the sick, even at the cost of their own life. And eventually, you know, Constantine, when he, I mean, he, he took notice of it and, and became a Christian. Mm -hmm. And then the, it wasn't that the whole empire went Christian, but it, the value system changed and it, it took that for 300 years to accomplish. Yeah. I, I think I see two prongs there. The first is that we lead by serving. Um, but the other prong is that we serve by leading. And I think that tracks back to what you opened the um, your portion of the conversation with at the start in terms of where are all the prophets. And I think what we mean by that is where the, why aren't why aren't Christian leaders leading? Why aren't they saying unpopular things? 
um, and discipling their churches to, to live in a biblical ethic. Uh, that to me is, it is, it's certainly servanthood. It's, it certainly is a form of laying your life down because, uh, it, it might, uh, get you some shots across the, the bow, you know, but, um, I, I think it's a form of servanthood that, that looks like more classical leadership right now and still is done in humility and, and, and kindness. But at the end of the day, you can only wrap a truthful statement in so much kindness. It's still going to rub people the wrong way at times. And that's um, true. I think that that's, that's an equally necessary aspect of what it means to lay our lives down right now is to, uh, refuse to go along with, um, the watering down of the church for the sake of being accepted by the society. Oh, absolutely. Because that's the defense of the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, but having said all that, um, again, uh, Peterson has doesn't necessarily have uh, the the deepest perspective into everything that's going on in the body of Christ. No, because not at all. there's lots of good things yes. going on in the body of Christ. Uh, even in our own sort of Western culture, there's lots of churches, there's lots of leaders, there's lots of places where you know uh, men are being encouraged to lead without women being devalued at all. You know, there's mm -hmm. lots of health there. Mm -hmm. But again, he is coming from that dying world of liberal Protestantism, where it's a catastrophe. I mean, it's an absolute catastrophe. I right. read the, you know, the um, newsletters that come out of my, the, the, the theological college that I got my Master of Divinity degree from. You would hardly believe the mm -hmm. stupidity and the ludicrousness Chris Palmer, my colleague at Theosu, sent me a sent me a scholarly article the other day uh, on the study of Revelation because both of us are involved in that. Mm -hmm. And it was this liberal guy writing on, um, you know, God is a sadomasochist, and and it was it like I I thought, what? oh my goodness, no, <laughs> I about ten whiskeys or something. God, I don't drink whiskey just for informational purposes, but I. If I did, I'd need to take about 10 of them before you I don't read. always drink whiskey, but when I do, it's because I read some liberal Gee, theological stupidity. Uh, just ludicrous. It was absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, but I, I, it doesn't surprise me uh, because, you know, when you walk away from the truth, you become stupid. And, uh, and then there you go. that'll, that'll tweet right there. When you walk away from the truth, you become stupid. <laughs> and then people don't listen to you anymore. It was like, um, in the Congress, or they do and they become stupid as well. Well, in, in, uh, there was an article in, again, it was in, I think the Washington post, I think Christians should read, but you know, I have a subscription to that, the economist, because you hear what the other side is thinking, but, the article was basically, it was this Berkeley Law professor at Congress, and there's a great, you know, there was great hoo-ha over Roe v. Wade, and, and she was talking about, you know, people who bear children or something like that. And the senator, Republican senator, said, well, would that be women? You know, and of course, <laughs> they were dating each other. And she gave all these totally correct postmodernist arguments and said, oh, you're inciting violence against tra transgender yeah, people. Yeah, I saw the clip of that. You know, and she just thought she was the bee's knees. And of course, all the super left wing people thought, oh, she's just crowned him one. But the article, which was written from a left wing liberal perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And the person is saying, 
she thought she won and all these people think she won, but they didn't. They lost because 95% or whatever of the people who heard that thought the woman is crazy. Is or crazy. The crazy. Yes. You know, it's like crazy. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I, and conversely, I do believe as Christians, though we preach a gospel that is foolishness to the world, as the Apostle Paul described it in 1 Corinthians, and he was speaking into a, a similar kind of society that we're in today, very, very similar. Mm -hmm. Though we preach a gospel that the world thinks is, is dumb, actually, it makes a lot of sense because our gospel is in, and the biblical message coheres with reality itself and mm -hmm. the nature of reality. And there are people out there that respond to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Jordan Peterson is one of them. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people coming in behind it. So I think what we've got to do is figure out how do we reach all the people that are coming in behind Jordan Peterson mm -hmm. that that he is sort of as a pagan, non-Christian or whatever evangelist, mm -hmm. he's bringing them so far. How do we bring them actually over the doorstep and into the room? Yeah. And my view on that, at least the, the personal route that I'm taking, is to be willing to talk about a lot of the same things that Jordan Peterson is talking about, but with, as to use your analogy earlier, hopefully with a more full deck of cards. Um, and I don't claim to have everything figured out, uh, but certainly am, um, you know, more grounded in Christianity than, than he is so far. Um, and so I think we can resonate with people by talking about a lot of the same stuff, but take them the full way by giving them the full gospel, um, uh, which is, you know, well, gosh, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's the way of the cross. Um, and uh, hopefully, because I think that that also is uh, an impulse that God wants to tap in people is to live that kind of way. And as you said, uh, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And when you are being saved, there is something about the way of the cross that is, uh, it makes all the sense of the world, even though it's foolishness um, to, to other people. And so the Holy Spirit's still working. I keep telling our church this, please don't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit to convict people out of madness, um, and to bring them into the domain of the sun. Amen. All right, let's wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, next week, David and I will be back, uh, with a conversation that you are not going to want to miss. God bless y'all.